This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one Giant Giants step. step. It's game week, it's season week, it's a preview pod aboard One Giant Step. It's Sean Morris with my co-host Paul Dottino. Again, you can download and subscribe One Giant Step anywhere. Podcasts are available and free on the Odyssey app. If you listen to the wrap-up pod after the blowout loss to the Eagles, you might have heard me drop off the last couple minutes. Hat tip to our producer, Adam. That was me just not bringing a laptop charger. Storming off, upset. I wasn't in the right mind frame after the Giants nearly gave up a 50-burger. Paul, hello. How are you? Good morning, Sean. Doing very well. And I must confess, even though I have taken my usual uh, diligent effort to study up for this New York-Washington game, a lot of my focus this morning is on San Francisco trying to beat Seattle on Thursday night football. Yeah, and, and again, this podcast will drop before the Thursday night game. And it's obviously a big one, right? If Seattle gets to seven losses... It does in many ways, especially if you're for a jet win on Sunday over the Lions, you know, give the path of, of the Giants breathing a little bit of air, even if they were to lose some kind of tragic game. That being said, Paul, as much as we're focused on that, and by the way, there ain't nothing wrong with scoreboard watching this time of year. Been a long time since we've been able to do that. Would we rather be the 11 and one Eagles? Sure. But it's not a it's not a bad thing to be in the mix on you know the weekend before Christmas going is this team losing is this team losing that's that's a good thing the Giants have put themselves in a position where we can experience that again even if the last month has felt frustrating Paul no question and remember in all honesty that's what the NFL wants they want right. teams scoreboard watching they want fans scoreboard watching because what does that do it broadens and enhances interest which then in turn gives more eyeballs to the games and then produces more revenue for the league. Yeah, it all adds up. It all adds up. Exactly. So here we are. And by the way, when it comes to scoreboard watching, Seahawks fans and Lion fans alike will be doing that on Sunday night. You don't get to play a Sunday night football game in December unless one of two things are true. You're either 
in a competitive game with playoff stakes or you're playing the Dallas Cowboys in a previously scheduled game that they refuse to flex out because it's the Dallas Cowboys. So we got it, Paul, like that one because it's 100% right. I mean, there's no business for the Colts to be on Sunday Night Football a couple of weeks ago. But here we go. The last time the Giants got to play on Sunday Night Football was, of course, the game versus the Cleveland Browns, which was flexed before we found out Colt McCoy would be playing in that game. If you remember, James Bradbury had COVID. And then what was kind of building momentum towards that bad NFC East and maybe the Giants being alive, that was just the worst scenario of bodies left in that COVID year that the Giants could have had. Uh, before that, you got to go back a long ways. In fact, Daniel Jones, for all the, oh, you can't win a prime time, never has played in a Sunday night football game. Neither has Saquon Barkley. So, you know, when you think about yesteryear and all the great memories of Al Michaels calling some of these Sunday night games, Giants, Cowboys, all that, we haven't seen the Daniel Jones-Saquon combo in Sunday night football, Paul. So a little bit of a later night for us, but we'll rub our hands together. We'll get to experience something new, fresh, and and hopefully fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think to be honest with you, the, the biggest concern uh, usually when you're talking about a night game in Washington is that grass. It is a rough field. It's, it's usually not maintained very well by this time of the year. It gets very damp and very muddy, and it, it's just not a very pleasant uh, field to play on, especially at night in, in the weather, wintry conditions that yeah. we're talking about, even though it's expected to be dry. I think the thing that's a little disturbing about the way this all went down is that Minnesota got flexed to Saturday this weekend. Yeah, which was in play for the Giants, by the way. This game was one of the five games that could have been chosen of the three they Correct. chose to play on Saturday. Uh, and it felt like it would have for sure been one of these games. Well, what happened was the Sunday slate was so weak that they needed, you know, the two best games of the week are this game and the Bills-Dolphins. So they needed to basically split hairs and put one on Saturday night, one on Sunday night. Yeah, so the way it's going to work out is Minnesota plays on Saturday. In fact, they're in the mid-afternoon game. And the Giants have to play Sunday night and then travel on Friday to go to Minnesota on Saturday. Uh, there is no question that logistically this hampers the Giants by about a day and a half in terms of their preparation to face the Vikings on the road. Uh, I understand ratings rule all, TV rules all, but from a logistical perspective, uh, the Giants really took another gut punch in, in this particular schedule. They did, Paul. Uh, and I'm going to spin it. So, look, at this point, the Giants have dealt with so much, right? Bad calls, bad injuries, bad everything. The only twist I'll, I'll put on what you're saying there, and I don't disagree. I mean, obviously, Washington comes off a bye here, and their last game was versus the Giants and all of that. The only thing I'll say is, at this time... I mean, the, the excuse meters has built up so much that that feels so minuscule compared to the other giant problem. <laughs> I mean, how many more things can we keep? At some point, you just got to do it. And oh, by the way, come the postseason, you very easily could be playing a late Sunday game and going to play on a Saturday the following weekend. That's part of the football and the way the schedules have. It just is yeah. what it is at this point. So, Paul, I mean, you've been in the locker room, and we'll get to the injury updates and everything else that to go with it in just a bit. But just more a sense of, you know, the idea that this game's on a Sunday night, the whole country's watching, we understand that the Giants and Commanders have the same records, and obviously the analytics and all of that will tell you, basically whoever wins this game is a 90% chance of making the playoffs. Do you think the idea that this game is in prime time on Sunday night does one of three things to this team? Fires them up more, maybe rattles a little more nerves, or completely indifferent that the time of the game doesn't matter once they take the field? I think from what I have sensed in the locker room this week, that it's completely indifferent. 
Brian Dable has been very consistent in his approach all season long. His players seem to have bought into that philosophy. Now, we know the results recently have not been good, and the team right. isn't a slump. Right. But in terms of their approach and what I've seen at practice, you'd never know that this team was in a 1-4-1 and one slump. And I mean that. You, I mean, if you watch practice, outside of the players being changed out because of all the injuries, practice looks the same right now as it did in mid-October. And I think that's a credit to this coaching staff. I, I hope that is the case because, Paul, that was going to be my next point. Speaking from strictly the fans' point of view here, and, you know, whether it's social media, you know, your own friend circle, you know, we don't like hanging out with Jet fans, Cowboy fans, Eagle fans. You're right. You want to keep the Giant fans together. Uh, when when I talk to Giant fans or I, I see what's going on, there is this sense, and, again, I kind of had this feeling Monday, so I had to separate myself. But still this, like, defeatist attitude of here we go again, reminiscent of the last couple of years, although this year's clearly different because these games matter now. But the idea of just it feels like the team stinks. It feels like now we're just riding out a wave. And I haven't felt outside of myself a sense of real, like, optimism and energy about, hey, this is great. I mean, Sunday night football, go play for the playoffs. Everything's still in front of you. It feels like the fans feel a little defeated. So when you say that about the team, you're not getting a sense of that at all with the team where it's just not faced. No, I'm not getting a sense of that at all. And I think they, if anything, from what I could sense yesterday, and that would be Wednesday, which is their first real practice day in preparation for this game, uh, even though they're only in shells, you know, they're not going real hard, obviously, at this point in the season. The fact that uh, they're getting Leonard Williams back, the fact that Daniel Bellinger uh, is able to go, very, very important. Saquon Barkley practiced in full. And we know that he was, you know, kind of hurting going into last week's game. And and he seems to have recovered. So, if anything, I think their spirits were a little bit buoyed by the fact that there are some guys coming back. And Adore Jackson was on the side with trainers yesterday. And uh, from what I understand, did some pretty good things for them. Now, he didn't practice. Right. We will see how many snaps he takes in practice on Thursday and Friday. He may not. I don't know but I know there's a lot more optimism about him than there was maybe a couple of weeks ago. So, and this is where we're going to pivot here to injuries. I'm glad you brought that up because you have been the one, and you said this in a preview pod, very optimistic about a Dory Jackson approaching a return at some point. And obviously we have to see what happens here on Thursday, Friday. It feels to me, like we've hit a point in the season and at least this week, a point in the Adoree Jackson injury recovery. Now, again, I am not a doctor. I I don't want to look at his knee, but I feel like there's this old school approach that hasn't meshed with a new school approach with this. And this is all I'm going to say to you. If Adoree Jackson feels like he's getting close and he's able to run and play, but maybe they're worried about a full workload. Don't you think it would behoove the giants? We've just seen it with offensive players to just, bring a Dory Jackson back and put him on a snap count, maybe big third downs where you're afraid of passing this, that, and the other thing instead of the full CB1 workload because, you know, he's got to be better than, you know, some of the coverage we've seen and just use it in a limited role here? I think that's possible, Sean. The two things that you have to think about. Now, first of all, I think realistically, as we sit here on Thursday morning, I believe he's going to be a game-time decision. I think it's that close. Okay. Uh, however, however, here are the two factors you must consider. Number one, you do know the importance of the game. So in key spots, would you like to have him on McLaurin to potentially prevent a big play by Heineke, like what he was able to do in the fourth quarter to send that game two weeks ago into overtime? Yes, I could understand that. But on the other side of things, 
if Jackson is really that close and he can be 100% for the ensuing games following this one, well, I think we've already discussed the fact that the Giants can lose this game and still, still be in decent position to make the playoffs. Do you want to take the chance that even playing him for 10 or 15 snaps might injure him worse where you lose him for the rest of the month? And to be frank with you, if you have to limp in to the home stretch with this secondary for the next three weeks, you're probably not going to salvage anything. Okay, I mean, the counterpoint, and there's no way of knowing this until game time, is what do the Seahawks and Lions do? Because if both of those teams happen to win the games, Paul, on Sunday, you know, the the, the percentage meter and all the percentage will continue to drop if the Giants Correct. lose this game. I mean, Correct. It's, there's, it's still, there'll be less margin to breathe. I yeah, agree. I mean, and also on that note, if you lose this game and lose to somebody else around you, you know, again, you're saying everybody has the right attitude. At some point, you know, it's just human nature. There could be a little will and spirit broken in the locker room. That's where I think winning this game, despite what happens on Thursday night football and early Sunday with the Seahawks and Lions, is so imperative. So I, I guess you have that question answered. Now, one that I think a lot of fans may not think is a big deal, but I personally think it's a big deal, uh, and it feels optimistic, is Ben Bredesen. And now I hope... I hope he finds his way back into the lineup because it really felt like he was coming along, Paul. And I felt like the run game was benefiting and the, and the Giants have missed him dearly in that run game. And you look at when Saquon's numbers dropped off, they dropped off and we stopped seeing a lot of Ben Bredesen and to a lesser extent, Izudu. Do you think that Ben Bredesen is going to get in this lineup on Sunday? Yeah, Bredesen was actually very close to making it last weekend. And, and he's feeling pretty good and the arrow is up. So I think once again, uh, he's going to be very close, probably a game time decision. I would not do it. I would stick with Nick Gates and and stick with the five that they've had the last few weeks. I think Bredesen should be on standby. If for whatever reason, you know, somebody's not getting it done on the inside, maybe you want to go there. But I would not start Ben Bredesen. What really stinks, and and again, I know that these guys are giving it all – I think that the Giants would be better suited with both Nick Gates and Ben Bredesen in that lineup and one less of Glowinski and Feliciano. It feels like to me, again, I've gone back, I've rewatched a bunch, injury, whatever. It, it, the two guys that I consistently see getting bullied at times, especially in the past game, have been Glowinski and Feliciano, Paul. Uh, and I know that's probably not an option to play both Bredesen or Gates, but I really do feel like that would be the Giants' best offensive line if they could get both of those guys in there. Well, here's the thing. In terms of uh, Feliciano, the, the coaching staff really loves him because of his grit and because of his uh, confidence and ability to handle the system on, under virtually any condition. Now, I will tell you, according to my tape review, which I do very studiously, uh, I've got Feliciano for allowing two sacks so far this season, one to Jones, uh, and that would have been back in uh, against the Baltimore against Baltimore. And I also by the, by have way, one- we are on YouTube. So if you are watching, you're watching Paul's eyes dart all over the chart, which is just perfect. It is so perfectly Paul giving you the research right in front of him there. I love it. All right. And I also have Feliciano giving up a sack to Cox against Philadelphia on December 11th. That was last week. Both of those sacks were on bull rushes. OK, so Feliciano has not been fooled. In terms of his pass protection, he has been beaten on two bull rushes. Glowinski has allowed, according to my my film study, four and a half sacks this year. Two of them came to pain uh, in the Washington game just a couple of weeks ago. And his back was hurting. Uh, And his back was hurting. So, 
to be frank with you, and again, I know there's a certain analytics site that loves to give out number grades. You know that I believe those things belong in the bottom of the sewer. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not even going to discuss what those folks think. I'm simply telling you what the facts are. Uh, the Giants really like Lewinsky's grit and his attitude and his and his ability to block in the run game. And I don't think there's any way that they're going to go into this game thinking they got to throw it 40 times and win it through the air. They know they've got to get back to the run. And so I think Lewinsky is obviously going to be their best choice there. Okay. And that leads us into the elephant in the room, Paul. Now, what you just said is absolutely true, right? The Giants were at their best when they were able to run the ball and run it like heck. But let's be real here. It doesn't mean you abandon it or anything like that. The Giants' run game has completely struggled over this whole stretch. Where they And look, one plus one equals two, right? Run game struggles, they've struggled. The fact of the matter is, you go into this game hoping that you can turn around the run game, you make adjustments, you figure it out. But if they get in a spot where this game is tight and the run game is simply not working, they're going to have to figure out a way to make plays through the air and trust their quarterback a little bit. Now, where that becomes hampered, what I'm going to bring up the next part of this is the concussion protocol situation for Richie James, so much that they've signed now Jaden Mickens, who was the Bucks returner in that Super Bowl. So, right at, look, to me, I don't need you break. Now, if you break off a big punt return for a touchdown, geez, bless. That could be the difference in the game. I love it, right? No doubt about it. But just don't fumble the football, right? Because the the events that have happened since Richie James's two fumbles in Seattle that have led to that loss there, where they could have had Seattle buried at this point in the year. Uh, Dory Jackson returning punts, like the punt return thing that started in Seattle, has led to a you know such a, a chain of events that have killed the Giants, so to speak. Bottom line, yes. is, catch punts and all of that. But the reason I bring that up is. If Richie James isn't good to go and Mickens is their punt returner, the Giants obviously have had a decent thing going. I mean, only so much you could do with Slayton and Hodgins who have done what they've asked. They're just not number one guys. Who the heck is running in the slot here on Sunday, Paul? Yeah, they probably would have to go with a big slot. You know, you could you could, you you could, no, you could probably Sills. Okay. All right. That would be, that would be my suspicion. Um, they could that, also sound you, that sound you hear, by the way, is every Giant fan listening going, oh, jeez, I'm going to go David. Well, you could, you, to be honest, Marcus Johnson would also be another option. Okay. I will warn you, okay, that Mickens has six career fumbles in 38 NFL games. Can't wait. Can't wait. I just needed, I needed to be factual and honest and to well, prepare you just in case. And to that point, well, this is what will worry me about this signing. You're right. What the Giants need is a lot of hand in the air, fair catches, let the offense go out there and do the work. And my worry, like you just talked about with Mickens, is Mickens is a guy who was just on the street, was a street-free agent, and a guy like that who's not as truly connected to the team, clearly because he wasn't here all year, does he go out for himself a little bit, see some space and say, I got to catch this and run, think too fast, boom, that's a fumble that turns the other way because he's thinking about gaining yards and putting out some good tape. That would concern me a little bit. The ball will be ice cold, hard as a rock, and probably slick. Doesn't have to be wet to be slick. Right. Again, not in those conditions on that real grass and, and mud and whatever they're going to have down there at RFK. Well, the actually FedEx field. I'm sorry. I'm dating myself. <laughs> Look, here's the bottom line, Sean. The Giants, they've got to win the turnover battle because yeah. if you lose the turnover battle, you allow Washington to grind out this game with their run. 
Right? You right. You can't have Daniel Jones fumbling on the first drive again in this matchup. No, no. The Giants are the better team, okay? They've got the better 53. I will tell you that. Even with the injuries, some of the guys are coming back. I do believe the Giants are the better team. I do believe that Washington, which held the ball for 41 minutes two weeks ago and couldn't do better than salvaging a 2020 tie? I mean, come on. After watching that tape again, I feel extremely confident that the Giants yeah. are going to win the game. Never mind the officiating in that ball game either. And I understand some Washington folks are crying a little bit too. Well, I think the Giants have a much bigger complaint as to the officials that particular afternoon. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind the Giants are the better team and the Giants will win this game. But having said that, what you do not want to do is allow Washington to control this game from the lead, although the Giants did overcome a lead two weeks ago. Yeah, you don't want to have to do that again because they will attempt to grind it out. And once they set the tempo and, and have the narrative of this game under their control, it becomes a bigger problem yeah. for the Giants. Yeah, and on top of the turnovers, and this happened two weeks ago, whether it's uh, Feliciano with the stupid up the, you know, the penalty, the flexing that cost them points and literally cost them the game, whether it's, you know, driving and all of a sudden there's a hold and it's first to 20. And I know that the refs, you know, can be pigs and getting away. No stupid penalties in this game. Can, and if, can somebody, an offensive player, not run an obvious pick into a defender and we get called for offensive pass interference or a legal formation? Because, you know, a lot, and I understand why the conversation in Giant Land and Giant Fan Land is, is shifted towards how much blame of what's gone wrong do you put on Daniel Jones? And I'm so sick and tired of Daniel Jones drives being absolutely killed by penalties by others and putting the guy in a first and 20, but look, you can't make more happen with the receivers happen. Yeah. Yes. You don't want to turn the ball over a ton, Paul, but this cannot be a game. Like we see so many of these losses, slash ties happen that are affected by just gut wrenching penalties. Well, how about a phantom offsides penalty on a last-second field goal yeah, that right. never should have happened? How about right. that? Bam, Paul, right to my next point, too. And I'm going to give you another myth ahead of this game. because, And maybe I'm putting on my Daniel Jones stand hat a little bit here. If I got to hear one more time, boy, you know, Daniel Jones has never won in prime time. That's a big issue going into tonight. Hold, hold on here for a second. Factually? Correct. He's never won in prime time. The Giants have not won in prime time since the Daniel Jones era started. However, that that offsides that wasn't called last week or last year in that Thursday night game slash the Slayton drop down the field. Did Daniel Jones not do enough to win a game in prime time in Washington a year ago? Oh, by the way, the Philly game two years ago when Evan Ingram drops the pass that would have sealed the game. Did Daniel Jones not put the world ball in the right spot and do enough to win the game? So what a lazy analysis that's been that Daniel Jones has. Oh, he chokes in prime time. Does he? Or does the team completely implode in some of these games in prime time? Oh, by the way, Sunday night is not exactly the same as Monday night, Thursday night. Yes, a little bigger stakes here, but let's stop back like he's been some kind of Sunday night foil. And I'll take it one step further because now I've been really ticked off about the Jones stuff. Because I Go feel for like it. I feel like he's gotten a lot more, you know. And again, I get it. He's not Patrick Mahomes. The guy has done more with less this year than most quarterbacks in football, Paul. Uh, and the other part of this is if I hear one more time, and I know I want the streak to end too. 
Daniel Jones can't score 30 points in a game. Look at the last time the Giants scored 30 points in a game. Yes, I can tell you, my daughter that's about to turn three years old next week, she was born on the last day the Giants scored 30 points, which, oh, by the way, happened in Washington, the game that got us Andrew Thomas. Uh, Need, need, need I remind you guys versus Baltimore earlier in the year that Saquon Barkley basically kneeled down at the one or the Giants would have scored 30 points in a game this year? So let's stop acting like it's impossible. There have been other factors around why Jones hasn't won a primetime game or hasn't scored 30. And I'm looking forward to Jones putting his foot, frankly, and I don't care if Adam bleeps this up, up everybody's ass this weekend and sends everybody a message. That's what I want. So I want him to make plays in the fourth quarter, Paul. Well, do you think any of those criticisms really hold water or is a more important stat that Daniel Daniel Jones has authored five fourth quarter victories this season out of the seven wins the Giants right, had. Right, right. Oh, and that? if everybody points to the run-up, well, look at all the rushing yards in the game. Hello, look at the Bear game too. How many of those were on the legs of Daniel Jones as well? Yeah, Daniel Jones, to me, one of one of the a couple of key factors here I want to just cite to you, uh, uh, Sean, because I think they're very critical some of the changes since that game two weeks ago, specifically to Washington's side of the ball. Tyler Larson's on injured reserve, their starting center. That's a big, big loss for them because they're probably going to use Wes Schweitzer, who is a guard by trade. He is in all likelihood, I am told, going to be the starting center this week. All right, well, Dex and Leonard need to eat. They need to eat. Without a doubt, because now you've got the Dexter Lawrence-Leonard-Williams combination going up against Norwell, Trey Turner, or maybe Sam Cosme at the other guard, and Schweitzer in the middle. The interior of the line of scrimmage in that particular matchup must, must be won by the team that is going to have an edge in this game. So if the Giants want to win it, that's that right there. Those two against those three of Washington must be on the Giants' side of the ledger. For them to win this game. And I think it will be. I yeah. believe in Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. Go. Number two. Yeah. Number two. I keep hearing about Chase Young coming back. Well, this guy hasn't played in over a year because of ACL surgery. If he does come back, and we talked about it two weeks ago, he'll be on a snap count only to play about 15 snaps in obvious passing situations. He will not have his sea legs. He will not have strength in those legs. He is not going to be the Chase Young that Washington thinks he's supposed to be. He will be a shell of himself. I would say if I'm the Giants and I got Bellinger on the strong side next to Evan Neal in front of Chase Young, I'd knock the snot out of him every time he's in the game. I agree. And if it's third and six and Chase Young's coming in to pass rush, I'm going to have my two guys – run right up his nose and let Barkley pave the way for a 20-yard gain on a third and six. When everybody thinks they pass, they will put him on his butt. Bring on Chase Young. I think think Washington's making a sorry and sad mistake if they actually give him some playing time in this game because I would abuse him to no end. The other other comment (laughs) is Benjamin St. Just, who is – From what I understand, a lot of people in Washington think he's their best corner now, that he's actually better than Kendall Fuller. And and he played a bit nicked up earlier, about earlier this month. He's coming back into the lineup. And I've had to hear from some Washington people about how, oh, he's their best corner now, and they'll put him on slate. 
Well, okay, that's really good. But what about run support? If Barkley's got it going like he should, and Daniel Jones is still able to run off the edges, which, by the way, is the weakest part of Washington's defense, St. Juice doesn't have much of an impact in the game, right. does he? Right, right. But so, that's why, so, that's why the Giants got to get to the second level, Paul. They got to get to the second level. Absolutely. This game. Absolutely. So uh, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I think the Giants are actually better off than they were two weeks ago, and I fully expect them to win this game. To me, it's all about mental. What is their mental aspect? All right, Paul, let's give our game picks. You know, maybe a fantasy play, the reality fact of what the Giants need to do, although you really alluded to a lot of that with running the game. We'll let you go first. What do you got? Well, I'm I'm going back to a guy that, that I had actually last week, and he got hurt with the ribs, and that's Daniel Bellinger. Yeah. I think Bellinger's going to have at least one touchdown catch in this game. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily say he'll get two touchdowns, but I think he'll catch at least five or six passes, and he'll catch a touchdown pass. And so I'm going to go there again. And as far as the score goes, I'm going to be nice to Washington and say they only lose 24 to 20. Okay. And Paul goes with the nice to Washington. All right. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna give a name that we haven't picked for a various amount of reasons. Number one, let down lately. Number two, obvious. I think Saquon gets back on track this game. I think Saquon's going to rush for over 100 yards in this game. I, look, I'm not basing it on anything because clearly the last couple of weeks should be hard to base on it. It's just a hunch I have, and, and it's going to tie into my game prediction. You mean to tell me? After everything we went through earlier in the year, the thrilling win with Tennessee, the London trip with the Packers, the comeback with the Ravens, that this giant team under Brian Dable, not Joe Judge or Pat Shermer, is just going to whimper out here the whole second half of the year and not win any football games? They should have beaten Washington, you're right, Paul, in a game that Washington completely controlled, and it ends up being a tie. So with that, I think that Saquon Barkley gets in for at least one score. Oh, by the way, I think Slayton's going to score a touchdown in this game, too. After Think about the drop he had two weeks ago, the drop he had last year in Washington. I think he has a big bounce back. And I think the Giants get cooking. And just like they did three years ago, Paul, the Giants score 30 points in a game. They will win this game 31-23. A fun game on Sunday night. will be nerve-wracking at times. But let's go Giant chance from the Giant fans at FedEx Field. Rain down in the final seconds. And we put one finger in the air and head to Minnesota on Christmas Eve. Give me the Giants to win this football game 31-23. I would love to see it. You know, Sean, I, I will tell you this. I think both teams are going to try to grind it out. And I think the Giants will be more successful with the short pass. That will probably limit the possessions on the night, which may make the points that you're talking about a little bit less likely. Yeah, I could see big plays, though. I could see Barkley going for like a 65-yard run for a touchdown in this game, stuff like that. Sign me up for that. I totally could. Uh, a couple quick house cleaning notes. Uh, again, thank you if you are a listener subscriber to One Giant Step. On Sunday, you can get a lot of me and Paul on WFAN. I actually will be hosting 3 to 6.20, a little extended Giants pre, if you will. They put me on because, hey, this is a big game. This is a huge game. So we're not going to run any games on Sunday. I will be on 3 to 6.20 taking your Giant calls on the fan. Then the moment I sign off, Paul, Lance, the whole crew takes you to the Giants pregame up until kickoff, of course. So basically, if you turn on your radio... 
from essentially three o'clock through after midnight, you will hear some variation of me or Paul at times taking you all through this giant coverage. So it's something to really be excited about. Also, uh, this company, Odyssey 2400 Sports Partnership, they will have me while the game's going on. If you download the BetQL app, they have a little game chats. Talk about the games. You'll get my real in-time thoughts and even some angles from the betting avenue on the BetQL app. Me and Grant Paul, Grant Paulson from Washington will have you covered there throughout the game. I said, guys, I can't be doing video or audio hosting. I need to focus. I curse a lot during these games. He said, no, 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 no. It's just a chat room specifically. So I'll be in there chatting away with you guys as well. So Paul will be all over the map. Biggest Giants December game in years. Sunday night football. Plenty of attention. Let's go do it, baby. I, I just want to know one thing, Sean. After yeah. that entire day's work, are you going to be too exhausted to tune in to me on the post game on MSG doing those player interviews, or are you just going Heck to zonk no. out? Paul, I'm going to tell you right now, we win this game. I'm not sleeping. I'm coming right in. I'm doing the DA show at 6 a.m. I'm taping there one step with you. We power through. Well, I'm sick of these games and we have four wins in December. This game means something, damn it. Yeah, All right. it's, an, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I have to tell you, it is a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and I will also add one other thing from the Giants locker room. Uh, there are guys still not talking about that P word. They're not doing it. Dable won't let them do it. And I think that's a good sign. And the other thing I would say is I do sense a tremendous amount of remorse for that game two weeks ago. The Giants players themselves feel as though that was a game that they basically gave away into a tie. They believe that they were very sloppy and they don't even want to talk about the officials. They think that they were very sloppy okay. and allowed that game to wind up 2020. So they've got a tremendous amount of confidence that they just play their game. They'll get it done this week. I love it. I hope that's the case. And I hope we're doing a victory Monday because it's been far too long on Monday morning. Paul, we can get you on Twitter where? At Giants WFAN. You can get me at Mraz CBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy Sunday Night Football. Thanks to our producer, Adam. And thank you for taking one giant step with us.